Kia ora, and welcome to what I call Ride Your Stigma. Listen, learn, ask hard questions, share your stories, and choose to grow. Because at the end of the day, my friend, we are our own creators. Kia ora, is that Dana Marie there? Yes, it is. Marina, beautiful. Good morning. Good morning and welcome all the listeners to episode 10 of Ride Your Stigmas podcast. So we have a beautiful soul here today, um, Dana Marie. She is a alignment coach. She is originally from Palmerston North in New Zealand and about eight years ago um, relocated to Sydney, Australia. And she is a mother of two little beautiful souls. Mm. Um, and she has a beautiful little quote here that she's just told me about regarding her heart arrhythmia. I mm. walked to the beat of my own drum, <laughs> which I love. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Dana Marie? <laughs> yeah. So um, when people ask, you know, you're, you're, off doing your own thing you seem to be walking to your the beat of your own drum um I do have a bit of a giggle because of my heart arrhythmia I'm missing a beat which means I uniquely came into this world with my own heartbeat I couldn't even do that like everyone else <laughs> so yes I quite literally walked to the beat of my own drum <laughs> yes girl I love that I love that so much <laughs> <clears throat> And then today I'm walking to the own beat of my cold and sniffles and snots today. <laughs> so what? you just have to excuse my my cough and my sniffles. I'll try and keep it as low as I can. <laughs> um, so, Dana Marie, do you want to just start off by, I suppose, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit of your journey um the little bit we've connected already sounds like you have lived through some crazy experiences some really challenging ones but some ones that you have grown and evolved through um but maybe just share a few of your a few of your aha moments and challenges through your journey that have kind of got you to where you are today yeah, of course. Um, so I don't do things by halves. I've full ass cheeked my way through life so far. And um, the biggest one that has been what I consider my turnaround point was two years ago, um, I had launched my coaching business. I had decided, yep, let's do this. I'd, you know, put my big girl pants on and decided this is what I wanted out of life. My partner had been really um, supportive and said, you know, this is what you want to do, babe. Let's let's do it. I got my branding photos done. I was like high on life thinking, you know, I've got this amazing relationship and my kids are doing really well and I'm finally chasing this dream business of mine. And then my family uh, had probably what was the worst news that we could have had. Um, One in the morning, I had police officers knocking on my door to tell me the reason why my partner hadn't come home from work that day wasn't because he'd cracked the shits with me and um, decided to give me the silent treatment after I'd left my day job at the bank. He, in fact, had died at two o'clock that afternoon in a truck accident while working. So that for me, it it took what I thought I was doing right in my life and completely chucked it out the window, being honest. Um, it, it was the, the rock bottom for me. And coming back from that 
it changed who I was as a person. It changed how I approached everything in life. You know, he was 27. Here I was thinking we were too young to be worrying about things like wills and, you know, um, living our moments while we still had them sounded like such a cliche until the accident happened and I, you know, the next day had to be identifying his body in the morgue and confirming to the police it was in fact him. So that was something that it changed me like completely. Um, I had to, I put my coaching business on hold because obviously helping other people through their problems was the least of my fucking, (laughs) least of my problems (laughs) was not in a space to be giving anyone any kind of um, help at that point. I, had to deal with the idea I had I'd resigned from my job that day because of the fact that he had said look you go and go after your coaching business I'll support us while we're doing it so I resigned from my job that morning only to find out that he was gone the next day and um, so I had to go through trying to deal with these emotions of feeling like part of your life has just been ripped out you know we were we were planning to have a baby we had you know, made plans to go and buy land and build a house. And he was hoping to get back into an apprenticeship and start building his career. So he had all of these plans. So it's not like you're even just mourning them as a person. You're mourning this life that you'd planned together. And I was mourning a, a version of myself I was never going to be again. And that, for me, was probably the hardest one to accept because you know they're not there anymore obviously because they're not banging around in the kitchen in the mornings and they're not there to hug you at night but mourning that version of yourself takes a lot longer to accept because you're never going to be that person again and I think that's really hard because that's all you want to be you don't want to be changed you don't want to accept that this has completely and utterly shaken you to your core um so I feel like that was probably the hardest part um to accept not he was gone but that I wasn't that person anymore and that I had to rediscover who I was now after this and learn to live with that pain and that grief and how that had changed me and my decisions yeah totally I just want to send you so much love Dana Marie and so much love to that to that person in your life that was such a a big soul and and everyone affected by such a such a challenging time and I think praise you big time and thank you for like coming on to a space like this to share such a um such a hard and changing life experience because not many of us really have the courage to speak up and talk about um these hard experiences of losing someone so suddenly and and things like that so thank you so much for coming on and and um be willing to share share this to heal yourself and and things like that and I think when you were speaking then you're definitely right that there's so many different levels of acceptance and healing and grieving um there different different elements of 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 physically having that person not be there every day and then and the changes in yourself and who you are through that experience hey yeah well I could see the change in my kids as well and I think that's where um it impacted my mental health obviously going through that process and I'd already had um anxiety and 
OCD and PTSD that I had been, you know, learning in my life how to deal with and live with those. And then this accident brought about a whole bunch of new struggles for me. And I had to explain to uh, my two-year-old, you know, that he wasn't coming home. And for two months, she used to say, I'm sorry, mummy. And I said, what are you, what are you sorry for, baby? And she said, I'm sorry, he's not coming home. He's mad at me. Because she had no concept of what death was. And in her mind, if he wasn't coming home, he wasn't coming home for a reason. And she had taken it upon herself to tell herself that she was the reason because I hadn't given them that many details because as a mum I was trying to protect them but I had to learn that there was a certain amount of detail I had to give them for their own processing for their own healing so they could come to terms with what had happened and you know I'll still we've just had the anniversary of the accident and I was really emotional and I was uh, my anxiety was triggered a lot more than usual and my kids recognize that they know that that's something that's come up in me and that mummy deals with and for a long time I considered myself a failure as a mother because I couldn't protect my kids from this pain I couldn't protect them from these struggles that I was having but my four-year-old will take me by the hand and say mummy are you having big feelings and I'll just nod because I go no if it's really bad and then she'll take me over to the couch and she'll tuck me in with a blanket she'll put my head in her lap and she'll stroke my face I mean it's more bashing my face being honest because it's <laughs> gentle but the fact that that is I have never taught her to do that I have never asked that of her but she sees in that moment that I'm struggling and she takes it upon herself um, to comfort me in those moments which it is very hard as a mother, as the person who feels like you're meant to protect your kids and you're meant to be that rock. And um, at the end of the day, my kids are the reason I'm still alive after that experience. They're the ones that kept me going and stopped me from doing some silly things that I wanted to do because I, I was at my rock bottom. But they definitely held my hand when I wasn't strong enough to uh, to pull myself back up. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. But it is it does carry its own weight as a mother. You know, you think I'm meant to be the strong one and here's my four-year-old comforting me because I can't yeah. bloody talk. So that's been hard too. Yeah, totally. And it, it's incredible how you describe your children supporting you because children, I feel like children are wiser than us adults most times these days. Uh-huh. With, yeah, with energy and love and feelings and soul. Like they they see and feel everything we're going through so it is really special that we have these little people that we care for protect and we look after but they do just the same for us it is um fucking incredible to be honest um and this is putting you on the spot a little bit Dana Marie but you've just made me think about um like how you were saying you you know you want to be that best mum that protects your children from everything possible any harm any hurt and I suppose something that popped up in my head is like, what is protecting your child? Because these days, I think we talk a lot more about like um, emotions and things like that for our little ones and, and teaching them that it's okay to feel emotions and things. So like, would you have any, any recommendations from your own experiences for other parents out there that are, are in a, in a hard place like you've been and they are trying to decide 
personally and individually for their family what is enough to tell them and what is what is the right to share with them and what is what is not like how did how did you eventually get to that point that you knew what was right for you to what information was enough to give to them and 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 honesty and being truthful or what stuff did you keep to yourself you know that's a really hard one I find I suppose even with nannying like I don't have my own children but when I'm nannying and say I'm having a hard day or one of the parents having a hard day and a a four-year-old goes oh but so-and-so sad and they're crying and then a lot of parents go oh no no no, we're not crying trying to be strong but we also I don't know I feel like we need to demonstrate that it's okay to have those tears and things like that like do you have anything there that you would share with parents that are going through similar yeah, so I went into parenting naively saying that I was always going to tell my kids the truth. And I wish I could go back in time and bitch slap myself and say, <laughs> that's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I did make that commitment because it was important for me to be able to have honesty with my children. Um, and unfortunately, I've been put in the, the situation multiple times where um, I have had to struggle but still commit to that. Um, when it came to the accident itself, I had to explain that Eugene, my partner, had died, um, that he wasn't going to be coming home anymore and um, that he still loved them but we wouldn't be able to see them anymore. And for them it brought up a lot of questions about ghosts and if can he still see us, which was a spiritual thing that I had to try and, you know, yeah. navigate because I didn't want them to think this was the be all end all of answers, that this is just how mummy can explain it. Um, but I thought I was protecting them by not telling them how the actual accident had happened. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that my son had gone to school and told everyone that he had drowned. It was nothing to do with water. There was no water involved in the accident. He was in a truck accident. But because of the fact that I hadn't given him those details and people must have asked questions, his mind filled in those blanks because he needed an answer. So I had to sit them back down and tell them actually it was in the truck and this is what happened and give them more detail than I had thought that I should have given them, but it was obvious that they needed some more answers for their processing to be able to go through that. And um, like, I don't, my kids don't even bloody have Santa Claus, you know, like I didn't want to lie to my kids at any point. And that's something that for me was really important that that I wanted to be able to honor that. Um, But this was a circumstance that, you know, no one, that it doesn't come with a fucking instruction manual. None of us (laughs) get how to navigate it. You do the best you can, but um, like for my kids and when it comes to my mental health, if I am having um, an anxiety attack or an episode or something, um, my kids have been told that mummy has a special brain that works in a special way. And sometimes, yeah. you know, like if I have to get out of the car, I'm a door checker. It's one of my compulsions. Um, so if I have to get out of the car and go and check the door three times while we're still sitting in the driveway, my kids don't flinch because they know that that's in their mind. That's just how mummy's brain works. So that's okay. And that's their normal. Um, and saying that that has also made them a lot more, um, compassionate and understanding when they come across other children who might be on the spectrum or, um, they've got a child in their life that has a feeding tube. And I'm very grateful that while it has been a um, rocky a rocky road to get there, my children are some of the most compassionate, understanding little creatures in the world that they don't 
um, tease or mock or they just ask questions. They, they're comfortable enough to ask questions rather than um, be scared or um, not like spend time with a child who is identified as different because of these things they just accept that being different is okay and they don't treat them any different they just you know the, the kid with the feeding tube they know they have to be more gentle and that's as far as that conversation goes they don't get freaked out or um, not want to spend time with them and I think that's probably been one of the um, silver linings in all of this that my kids have learned a deep uh, understanding that some people are different and sometimes people have hard times um, like, you know, mum sometimes breaking down and crying. I cry in front of my children. When I get hysterical, that's my line because I know that that would probably scare them. So if I feel like I'm getting um, like right at the start when the accident had just happened, I'd take myself off to another room if I was having those deep, ugly cries. Yeah. Um, but if I'm just because of the fact that I can understand that that would be quite traumatic for a child and I didn't want my kids to to necessarily see me like that. But if I'm having a bit of a cry because I've picked something up that reminds me of him or it's the anniversary or I'm just a bit emotional, um, the kids will notice that I'm like that and they'll just ask. They'll say, do you miss him, mummy? I'll say, yeah, baby, that, that's why mummy's just a bit sad today. And they'll come and give me a hug and they'll carry on with their day. But that means that for them, when they're upset, they are very good at articulating why they're upset and if they're frustrated or um, they know that crying is something that is completely acceptable. So I've got a boy and a girl and it was important for me to make sure they both knew it was okay to express their emotions and talk about their feelings and that there was no shame and um, there's nothing wrong in that to be able to express when you're hurting or when you're upset about something one of my son's favorite tv shows got cancelled and that was very emotional for him <laughs> and, you know for him to be able to say but mum it just makes me so sad it's not yeah. going to be here anymore and I didn't validate that because you know the way that someone else feels um pain or the way that someone else expresses their emotions and and has their journey even if it's a five-year-old kid mourning the loss of a tv show totally. being able to put that into words is so important and it doesn't matter what stage or what's happened you can't invalidate um someone else's journey just because you've you know been through the ringer with your own totally totally that's so true I love I love that those couple of examples there, Data Marie, that you just used because it is true. Like we all process things differently, big and small, um, and individual, and we can't just disregard someone else's situation because it doesn't affect us the same way, you know. Yeah. Um, especially children, we all like the smallest things to us as adults. We forget, like the little girl I live with, she's five and she's learning how to write "Happy Birthday" for her dad yesterday, Aww. and. It was like I was looking at her and I was like, oh my god, I, I forgot that it's so hard to learn how to write a letter. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like when you don't really think back to when you couldn't write when you're an adult, you know, that and you're gonna remember that we all started somewhere because we have we come into this world to to learn and and to grow through those things. And it sounds like you've learned some really good um reflections on through through this challenge with um losing 
losing that partner at that time and I suppose that example of your son going to school and and filling in the gaps it was a really amazing one because I think I think well I can imagine that if I was a parent it would be really scary to know how much detail or information in situations like this to give because I suppose something that pops up in my head because I want to talk more around body awareness and sexual health around children and stuff like that. Like I get a lot of society saying things like, oh no, you can't talk about sex to, you know, seven year olds or whatever, because you'll, you'll entice them or encourage them to have sexual intercourse and things like that. And I'm going, well, yeah, but we, we have all sorts of ages and things and sexual abuse and stuff like this. If we don't tell them anything, how are they going to know there's a safe space? But I can imagine there's so much conflict in, in being a parent in your mind of like, how much do I tell my little child yeah. to protect them on both sides? It must be absolutely, you know, heart-tearing sometimes to know how much information, but that's a beautiful example. So thank you for sharing that because I think I think that would really kind of click with other parents that have um, challenging things to talk to their little ones about. Yeah, well, it's, it is hard to make that decision about how much is too much. Like for my, for my kids, if they have questions, um, my daughter had the good old how do babies come out yeah (laughs) Um, and I was very grateful for the way she said it because she didn't she didn't ask how they got in there so that saved me a conversation (laughs) but she just wanted to know how the babies came out and naturally I told her you know I grew up on a farm and how animals and babies are born that was something that I thought no that's fine for her to know uh, but then when she was three, she would be shoving her baby bunny, her toy bunny, up her up her dress and <laughs> belly like a pr- proud pregnant mama. And yeah. she would throw herself on her back and chuck her legs up in the air and bring back childbirth, which apparently, you know, concerned quite a few uh, children who went home to their parents. So for anyone whose kid goes to school with my kid, my bad. Um, <laughs> no, I love it. That's beautiful. And... Um, and Periods was another thing that I never thought about explaining to my kids as young as they are, but naturally my kids busted in on me on the in the bathroom and mm. um, I use cloth pads um, and they saw the blood and naturally they were concerned because mummy's bleeding, you know, what, yeah. what's happening. They now have a concept of death, so they are even more concerned. Um, so that was how my, at the time, three and four-year-old found out where periods were and what periods were and that blood's okay and now I can yell out to my son hey can you go grab me a pad please and oh yeah okay and he'll just grab me one out of the drawer and he knows what they're for and he sees the blood and he knows I'm not dying and just answering those questions as much as it sounds like something oh no they don't have to worry about that until they're teenagers and all that kind of stuff well why why does it hurt them knowing what blood is and where it's coming from there's no shame in your menstrual cycle there's no shame in knowing how a body works and just because he's a boy it doesn't mean he doesn't need to know what that is anyway they were curious it's a um you know something that they wanted to know so it can be it is a judgment call as a parent how much um information you end up explaining to your kids but realistically they're curious and they understand a lot more than I think we give them credit for yeah yeah I love that it's it's beautiful I love how you are so open with them but I suppose everyone's different there's some people out there that 
that believe otherwise and that's okay too but I've definitely I've had a situation that I can't really dive into but I had a situation with a toddler and she thought I was bleeding from my bum (laughs) of my period and I was like gosh like is she gonna go to kindy and be like bleeding from her bum I was like oh no that is exactly what they're going to do that is exactly what children do my children (laughs) have told the whole daycare when mummy had the runs they've told them that mummy bleeds out of her vagina and um yes children will repeat anything you give them so totally and if we think about it like it is I think just coming back to because I suppose our society and all the changing that a lot of women are doing about speaking more about our bodies and things like that um if you think about it those little people like you even having a daughter and a son that your daughter one day will have to experience that and do you want her to be in the dark and not know what to do with her body and same with males like um not like some males will grow up and have no idea um, and get a partner, a girlfriend, or have a best friend that's a girl and have no idea. And the more we as a whole and talk about these things, then we can, you know, <laughs> make it easier for everyone, you know, yeah, to be exactly. able to look after ourselves. Mm, exactly. Totally. Um, so, Dana Marie, you've told us in a nutshell kind of like what what made you plummet and what kind of was the burn and crash in your life with um your partner's accident at the time um was there what what kind of happened after the accident was there um a phase that you were kind of just down in the dumps and then was there a certain light bulb moment that kind of transformed things for you or kind of the motivation came out in you to obviously change your life and turn your life around because I I look and 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 see what you're doing now and I can feel your energy and your drive to kind of change the world and have of your alignment coaching was there was there a certain moment that kind of changed things for you or did it gradually kind of build into self-development and awareness and things like that or so I accepted that I was in a very rough place and um, I decided that I was going to go back to therapy and try and get some help to come through that because as much as I'd been in therapy growing up for you know a whole myriad of reasons um, I hadn't been in a while because I'd been in a good place Um, naturally you know your partner dying kind of puts you back into a rough spot and after a session with the um psychologist I was informed that if I wanted to kill myself that it wasn't her job to talk me out of it that she'd talk me through my strategy plan if that's what I wanted to do and then she charged me a gap fee for it so I came out of that consultate out of that session going great so I'm in a spot where I don't want to be here anymore the the professional has just told me that she can't help me and um, I, I guess this is it. So I got into my car and I drove to an industrial area and found a brick wall and I started uh, driving as fast as I could towards that, put my foot to the floor. And last minute I looked up and I saw my kid's empty car seats in the rearview mirror. There you go. You finally got tears. In <laughs> um, the rearview mirror. And I pulled my handbrake and slammed on the brakes and almost rolled my car. 
and just howled. I sat there in that moment and I screamed the most primal scream I've ever screamed in my life. And I thought, I can't, I'm not allowed to. I can't no out of this because I have two little people who depend on me and I'm not allowed to just nope out. So if I can't nope out, then what am I going to do instead? And I just thought I have to live. I don't have another choice. If I'm going to stick around, then I'm not fucking doing things the way that I've been doing them because I can't, it could be my turn at any time now. You know, he was 27. You don't know when it's going to be your turn. It was a freak accident that we didn't see coming. For all I know, that could happen to me any day. So if dying isn't an option, um, I better pull my fucking head in and do something. And that was the moment that I started living for the first time in my life. Um, and as much as I had, you know, launched my coaching business, well, tried to launch my coaching business before the accident, the way that I went about it this time round was completely different because my perspective was different. I didn't have it in me to live a life where I was worrying about what everyone else thought. I didn't have it in me to feel guilty for doing things for myself or enjoying life because as far as I was concerned, I'm going to be dead tomorrow. So I need to start actually living the moments that I've got. I can't let fear hold me back. I can't let shame hold me back. I'm here. I've got a past and I'm very fortunate that I have a future. So I had to do something about that. So uh, two months after the accident, I knew bills had to be paid and I knew I wasn't in a, um, a space where coaching was going to be um, a responsible thing to do because I was still in my healing space. So I went and got a job as a coffee trader. I made coffee my life, which was hilarious as someone who didn't drink coffee, how quickly that turned over and now I'm a complete caffeine fiend. Um, <laughs> and I did that until I got to the space one day where I, I got approached by a previous client who said, so are you uh, are you coaching again yet? Because I've got some stuff I need to work through. And I realized that I had come that far in my journey, that I had done that much self-love and, and tackled the skeletons in my closet and drudged up all of the stuff that had been holding me back, that I was actually in a space to be able to hold that space for other people. And as horrible as it was, what it took me to get there, the person I am now because of the fact that my partner went through that accident and I rebuilt my life after that as someone who was able to help and inspire other women to be able to pick up their pieces at some really horrible times in their life, whether they've gone through um, divorce, a, a breakup with a narcissistic or abusive ex, um, changing their job and just waking up one day going fuck this life is too short I need a change uh turns out I'm the queen of getting back up after all the crap I've gone through in my life and rebuilding my life is something that I'm uniquely qualified to talk about these days so I thought fuck it if I'm gonna live I'm gonna live the way that I want to on my terms and that involved being a coach so last year I uh, let go of my my uh, security blanket that was my day job that had gotten me through my healing while I was in my rough space and I went back into the big bad world of coaching and I'll never look back because helping women is my purpose it is the reason why I'm still here um, and I'm very grateful that I had my kids to anchor me in that moment to pull me back out of that that spiral because it could have ended 
very, very differently. Um, and I'm very grateful that I'm still here to be able to say that. Gosh, that, that, that is beautiful. You're lucky you didn't, you couldn't hear my tears in the middle of there. Beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what a, what a courageous woman you are. And it makes me, it makes me shaky with tears. Um, oh. How, how courageous you are to be such a loving beautiful mother to your children because they're very lucky to have you so <laughs> gosh <laughs> how old are they now Jada Marie your children uh, so my daughter's four and my son will be six in September ah you've Little. got a whole beautiful lifetime with them right now so living it with them hey girl <laughs> yeah exactly and it, it honestly it's changed me as a mother it's changed me as a woman it's changed me as a friend the way that I used to get um you know frustrated over certain things I let things go that I never would have before um I've still <laughs> OCD is still something that doesn't just disappear overnight but I've found that it's been interesting to see how my perspective has changed and how it's impacted my anxiety and my compulsions. I have this capacity to let go of things that I never would have before, that I would have really struggled to let go of before because it's like I've got these two um, things fighting in my head now. I have a, a, a mental health struggle that I do deal with that um, you know, OCD is not a matter of just getting over it. Anxiety, you don't just get over. But then I also have this idea there that you could be gone tomorrow. So what are you going to do about it? And I've been, um, it's been interesting to see how strong that message is in my head to be able to uh, be more spontaneous and not need to necessarily plan everything down to the the, you know, smallest detail which is how I had been living my life beforehand everything had to have a plan and had to be thoroughly researched and you know planned down to the finest detail and now I have a certain level of freedom in my life that I've let go of the expectations of other people and I've let go of this idea that I could fail because you know what you could fail but you're still alive to fucking complain about it so getting back up and doing something about it seems like the logical next step and I'm very grateful for that lesson yeah I love that definitely you're still alive to say you failed so so keep moving yeah <laughs> keep moving and use all that time and all of that opportunity that you give given hey exactly did you, um, I'm just interested, Dan Marie, did you have a coach before you um, kind of had the ideas of going into your own coaching business? How did you discover coaching in your life? So I had been around in the coaching space uh, for a while. I was a serial entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew I wanted a business and um, I had originally had a homesteading blog and I had looked at doing subscription boxes and that was kind of um, my gateway, my gateway business drug into the world. And I had met uh, a lot of people who had been coaching. And the more that I was around these people, and the more I learned about the work that they did, I felt this strong pull to being able to help people and holding that space. And because I'd been in therapy for so long, um, I had at one point 
thought about whether I wanted to become a counsellor and I wanted to do that. But then I realised that looking back wasn't what had gotten me through um, the many parts of my journey. You know, I've come up through homelessness, domestic violence, sexual assault. Like I've, I've been through a lot of hardships in my life and I realised that the way that I got through that was through my goals and looking forward and the things that I could look forward to rather than looking back. And I'm not saying that's how... Everyone should tackle their stuff. You know, there is a time and a place for therapy, and I do uh, definitely believe in it. But for me, the way that I had overcome my shit and gotten back up every single time was setting a goal and going after it. As that's the simplified version of how I coach. And um, the more that I realised that that was what had gotten me through, and the number of people in my life that I had helped. Uh, unofficially <laughs> coaching them over the years. Um, I floated the idea with some of the people in my life and they thought, you know, the big uh, enthusiastic, fuck yes, you should be doing something like that. So I took on my first coach to see what the experience was like and I immersed myself more and more in the community and seeing the work that other people were able to do um, through these processes and um, I'm a very spiritual person I'm a pagan and there were a lot of uh, spiritual aspects that I had been exposed to in terms of um, transformational coaching and looking at you know the uh, Reiki and the way that the the spirit and the body heals and when it came down to it goal setting was uh, my thing. It was action plans. It was moving forward. It was finding a way to move through your blocks. And that was how I functioned as a person. That's the system that had always gotten me through. So I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to practice what I preach and I'm just going to coach the way that I get through stuff. And um, I'm very blunt. <laughs> I'm very direct. I'm a uh, no holding back kind of coach, which unfortunately does mean that a lot of my clients end up crying in one way or another. Um, but I've been told that I am the coach that takes them through the breakthroughs, even though there's breakdowns along the way. And I thought that was a really sweet way of saying it because um, healing is fucking messy. There's no other way to say it. And I think once you accept that it's going to be messy, you kind of open yourself to the real raw stuff on the other other side. Fuck yes, beautiful. I like that. Healing is fucking messy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And it is um it is so true. Like, do you ever if you meet a coach that's really lovely and just praises you and says, Oh, you're doing really well, you're doing really well. Are, are you growing? Are you really growing? <laughs> if you're not being pushed to the edge, are you growing? Because I know that if the coaches I've worked with in my journey, if they didn't push me to my limits, I would not be where I am now. <laughs> exactly. And I've had um, business coaches. So when it came to my personal stuff, because of the fact that I had my system and I knew how I got back up. When it came to my personal life, I didn't necessarily end up having support that way. But I've had business coaches because I needed that support. I needed someone to kick my ass and um, push me to go over it, to work through those mindset blocks of maybe I should just stick to a nine to five, you know, those things that come up for us. Um, 
and yeah being pushed was something I needed every step of the way if someone was praising me too much it made me feel uncomfortable not because I can't accept praise but because I needed the challenge I needed that well yeah that's cool but what else are you going to do and I love that challenge and that's the way that um, I push my clients and they respond really well to because they know that if I'm telling them they've done fucking well that means so much more because of the fact that I'm not going to just say it over everything. Like I'm not going to just let you get away with saying, oh, this seems like enough today and just hide behind the real stuff. I mean, you you should be celebrating your small progresses because sometimes when you're in the thick of it, getting up and doing a load of washing is a fucking celebration. It is something that you should be proud of because there are hard days. Um but you need to be constantly pushing yourself because that is, like you said, that is how you grow. <laughs> yeah, girl. I absolutely love that. <laughs> You'd be a great coach for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. That's how we questions and keep pushing, challenge, challenge, challenge. Um, could you let everyone know um, that's listening, Dana Marie, kind of like what kind of coaching programs you offer? Like, do you just do one-on-one? Do you do group? Like, could you tell us a little bit more about what you actually offer if someone wanted to contact you and have a chat? Yeah. So I run a group coaching program called Fierce AF um, for women who are wanting to just step up into their power and decide, you know, I've had enough. I'm sick of feeling lost. I'm sick of feeling like I'm not doing anything for myself. It's time for me. Um, And the reason why group coaching became such a huge thing for me and I decided to move out of one-to-one was one, I wanted to work with more women. That's my bigger picture. And that is why I'm here. And two, I think community is so fucking important. And when it comes to tackling the big, scary stuff, whether it's um, dealing with rebuilding after loss or a bad breakup or tackling, you know, stuff that's come up in your sexuality that you don't feel safe to talk elsewhere, having a community of women who are right there uh, in, for all the hard moments and the good moments, Um Community is what picked me back up a lot of my time having that support. So group coaching was um, kind of a no-brainer for me. And building this community has been so humbling, having these women post these things that they're celebrating that they never would have told anyone else before, you know, feeling like they are proud of these things and they are celebrating these moments. It um, honestly brings me to tears so often. So um, I encourage you that if you are in a time where you've been doing everything for everyone else you're a uh, people pleaser and you're holding a lot of guilt and shame for the way that you've gone about in your life and you know it's time for you um come and hang out with us we're pretty fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) sounds like amazing little community there Dana Marie I yeah I can't even I can't wait to hear more and 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 see all that you have to share um could you share with us if you had any other little golden quote that you say to yourself or that you're known for that you could share with us um, of any sort? Yeah. So the one thing that I tell either my clients or anyone who comes into my world is if you're in that spot where you feel like you've 
hit your rock bottom, uh, pick up your pieces because they're your fucking pieces. So if someone's knocked your pieces out, you feel like you've lost yourself, you don't feel you feel like a small version of who you are and you don't know what to do, start with picking up your fucking pieces because honestly you can rebuild after anything and it might not feel like that, but trust me, as someone who's been through the shit more than once, um, you just need to find your way and you'll be rocking in no time. I love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And um, where would people find you on social media platforms or what is your website? We will include them in the description as well, Data Marie. But just in case someone wanted to flick through and have a look at what you're all about, where would they find you? Yeah, so I've got my website, Dana Marie Coaches, or I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, same thing, Dana Marie Coaches. Um, and we're on Facebook at the moment. We've got a free Facebook group with the girls hanging out, women smashing glass ceilings. So you're more than welcome to come and join us. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dana Marie. It has been quite an exciting journey today to hear all of your amazing bits and pieces. So thank you and taking the time out to share um, part of your journey, your healing and your purpose with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. See you, honey. Bye.